Hello, folks. Good to have you with us on Red Barn Radio. I'm Brad Becker. And tonight, folks, we welcome you to show number 786. Our guest this evening on Red Barn Radio is Mr. Andrew Ferris. Starting in 1977, this Australian singer, songwriter, and his brothers played in more than 50 countries, and the band they assembled is credited for influencing the careers of a generation of players from Matchbox 20, The Killers, Train Walk the Moon, and the 1975, among many others. The band I'm talking about is NXS, arguably among the greatest rock bands of the time. Andrew Ferris, our guest, is not only a co-founder of NXS, but was also their principal composer. His work has taken a new turn, and the influences of both American rural South and Southwest and that of his own Australian musical landscapes deliver a new and most welcome sound of country music for us all to enjoy. We are so glad to have with us Andrew Ferris and his band on Red Barn Radio. Like a waterfall I climbed a 
Thanks to WEKU, Red Barn Radio's official radio partner, NPR for Central and Eastern Kentucky. Listen online at WEKU.org. Red Barn Radio is presented with the financial support of LexArts, Lexington, Kentucky's premier cultural development, advocacy, and fundraising organization. LexArts, working for the development of a strong and vibrant arts community as a means of enhancing the quality of life in Central Kentucky. And by Visit Lex, Lexington, Kentucky's Convention and Visitors Bureau. Planning to visit Lexington or just looking for more information? Visit Lex is on the web at visitlex.com. Wow, what a pleasure it is knowing that you are here with us tonight for this very special program of music with Andrew Ferris and his band. Andrew is exploring new musical territory now in ways that will both surprise and please many who remember the artistry of his compositions with the band NXS. Throughout the COVID lockdowns, Andrew's been recording new songs of his own, songs that bleed the Southern music we all love. Andrew has a self-titled CD and a new collection, another collection of songs he'll be playing from those this evening on our program. He's brought with him a super band, Travis New on guitars, Sam Hawksley on bass, Victoria Boland on background vocals and keys, Michael Adams on drums, and Maggie White playing fiddle and mandolin and also singing along. Once again, we welcome Andrew Ferris to the Red Barn stage.
Andrew, so good to have you here. Thanks, man. Hope you're enjoying yourself, all you folks up there. The music sounds great. That last song you just played was the first one that I heard of your new musical work. Yeah, that's right. Well, that, that was part of the journey. I, had a, I started re-recording old demos of my, of my work because I had one recording, like, say, on your smartphone, then I had another one uh-huh. you know, on a device that was even older, and then I had something else and I had this. Or I might have just written it down with the lyric or, or some music. And I hadn't really recorded them properly, and I started re-recording them. And that was one of the first ones I started to re-record. And also because my wife, Marlena, had had it on a ringtone, my original demo. And so I used to wake up all the time to that song. And I'd go, oh, no, there it is again. You know, I have to hear it again. But then I realized, wake up, stupid. She actually likes the song. You know? <laughs> so I, I actually re-recorded it. That was the beginning of what led to me making an album. From the get-go, did it have that guitar line? Yeah, you know, I'm not embarrassed to say that when I originally recorded the very original demo, it was somewhere in around about 1987 or something like that, and then I recorded it on a little eight-track tape recorder, you know, tape, you know, isn't that funny, you know? And then when I retracked it not that long ago, I actually asked the engineer to drop in my original guitar part off the tape. So it's playing along with the guitar, from 30 years ago, yeah. I like that a lot, but I'm surprised it's so old that you did that song so long ago. Yeah, well, you know, you get that. That tells me, though, is that you had sort of some rural country music sounds in your head long before, you know, 10, 5 years ago. Well, that's right, yeah. I mean, I've always been a fan of lots of different genres of music, including country, bluegrass, folk, you know, all sorts of areas that I would never, in my journey, originally, I have no regrets with, with, with my band, Everything became about technology. Originally, when we started playing in the 70s, if you couldn't play your instrument, then you didn't get a recording. And then I started messing around with uh, drum machines and programming things. And then I started messing around with samples and got into sort of early forms of dance music or whatever you want to call it, electronic music. And then I began to come back to my roots more recently where I just love playing real instruments in real time. Standing at your door in mind Won't you marry me You know that I'm your man We'd be a family Oh baby you and me Love makes the world go round So we walk up on the aisle Flowers in her hair Sweet smell of jasmine Drifting through the air And as we say the words 
flowers in my hand Oh God, I miss you I know you'll understand I will always love you Right here in my heart Love makes a world must be really liberating for you you know you've had a lot of success in your musical career but now to be able to come to this point here yeah where you're paring it down and are you concerned about how many songs sell and you want people to listen and you want the songs to be successful but how do you sort of measure the success of your musical efforts now compared to how you did then during my time within excess my, my band my brothers my friends we worked in over 50 countries, and there was a time I left when I lived in Europe for almost five years. And I've realized as time goes along, look, you're really lucky if anyone likes your music in any decade or generation or whatever. And I've been really fortunate. I've had lots of people that got into the music that I was writing and people I've been performing with. And I'm lucky right here that anyone's listening to me at all. I'm in this room, and I've got these amazing musicians with me, and it's fantastic. Chase them all. 
I wonder if there is a story to tell about how you got into music. What probably had a big influence on the beginnings of my career was uh, my father had been in the Royal Navy. At the end of World War II, he went out to Australia and met my mother there in Perth in Western Australia. And then in those years, people didn't fly everywhere. They went by ship overseas or they didn't go at all, you know. And so Dad hadn't been back to see his parents in England or my grandparents for 15 years. And he made like a, a little 45 record so they could talk to each other because I guess they didn't call each other on telephones very much or whatever. And it's expensive too. So he put us all on a ship when I was about five years old and my older brother was seven and my younger brother was three. And we went by ship for three weeks to England. And I remember we went through the port of Aden in the Middle East. I remember holding Dad's hand and everyone looked like they were part of a nativity, you know, because they were all dressed very differently, you know, from a different culture. Uh-huh. And we went through the Suez Canal. When we got to London, we arrived there. And um, people in those years, as I said before, I don't think they travelled quite as much as they do now. Post-pandemic, that might be different. But anyway, kind of long story short, we got invited to go down to a television show on the BBC and the Beatles walked out and played. So that was the first band I ever saw as a kid. And I thought, that's pretty good. You know? yeah, I'd say that works. Yeah, I, was sitting yeah. There, I was sitting there in shorts, you know, in little polished black shoes. I'm going, this is great, you know, as I'm watching it. You know? And uh, I didn't realise that we were seeing something pretty special. That was in 1964. But I remember it because the television cameras were going back and forward in the room. They were really interesting to me as a kid because they looked like big grey pterodactyls, you know, going back and forward. You know? But afterwards, uh, you know, many years later, when I had a lot of success in, in, in my band with my brothers within excess, and uh, we said to... My father, when he was alive back then, uh, Tim, my elder brother, and I said to my father, Dennis, did that really happen? Did we really do that? He said, yeah, and afterwards you went and talked to him. So that was pretty surreal as well. They're just people, you know. People forget that in the entertainment industry. We're just people, you know. We have just as many frailties and difficulties getting through life as everybody else. Well, sure. Where are you, brother? Where have you gone?
as a young person, were there adults who you would consider sort of mentors for you? Sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I, look, I was a little brat. I'll be honest with you. Brad, really? Okay. What happened was I started to learn the piano when I was nine, and I started to get into it, and then um, all my little guy friends wanted to play sport and stuff, and I'm doing all this classical piano stuff, right? And then I got really bored with it, and I said to my mother, look, I, I don't want to do this. I want to play football with my friends, you know, because that was my first instrument was a piano, you know. I was fooling around. I jumped off a fence, and I, I landed on a fence paling with two big nails sticking out of it on my heel. So then I was in, laid up in bed for a while, and, and she said, how are you going with that? And I said, oh, it really hurts. And then she said, would you think about playing the piano? And again, I said, yeah, sure. I said, but this time around, do you mind if, if I don't, like, learn the whole classical thing? Is there anyone that can teach me how to just play chords and work out how harmony works, you know? Like, if you have a C chord, like... The relative minor is an A minor, right? All that kind of stuff. Can you just show me how all that works? You know, I'm a precocious little kid, you know. Just shut up and do your Do, <laughs> do your, your scales, Suzuki. Right? But I didn't. And, and luckily, Mum was pretty switched on. She found someone that used to sit with me and just teach me how harmony works, you know. I didn't realise at the time that what I was actually doing was learning to write songs as a kid because then I began to realise how harmony worked and I realised the structure of it all and how you could really do anything. There's no rule book. There's nothing in when you're writing a song that says in page 48 you can't do this and page 51, right? Uh -huh. You have to do this, you will do that. Do whatever you want. You know? Yeah. I'm standing by the doorway, listening to the band in a New Orleans honky tonk. I saw that Cajun girl. She looked like Southern Comfort as she danced across the floor. A real hair turn up, a sweetheart break up. Yeah. 
I liked pop songs from the day, you know, and growing up in a little city like Perth in Western Australia, which is the most geographically remote city in the world. When we were kids, they only had one radio station that played all kinds of music. And it wasn't until I got older and started to travel more that I realised that people have segregated radio. They say, well, this kind of music has to be on this station and that one has to be uh. on that station. I thought all kind of music came out of one, one radio station, you know. And so I grew up thinking, well, as a songwriter, I'll just write anything I want. I'll grab pieces of music from wherever I want, you know, and styles or whatever. It didn't really bother me. It still doesn't. You know? Was this a, a rural setting where you grew up? Geographically, Western Australia is about, to give folks some idea, is about three times the size of Texas, the actual size of it, right? It's basically, a lot of it's sort of, in these days, mining. And Perth, in the years when we were growing up, was really like a, kind of little, like a little mining town, you know? in a huge big state you know? and so most of the focus was really on that kind of thing more than music or the arts or whatever and I could never find a girl like you. we're back with more red barn radio after this break red barn radio roots music southern style we'll be right back Welcome back. This is Red Barn Radio, recorded live from the Arts Place Performance Hall in Lexington, Kentucky. Red Barn Radio, roots music, Southern style.
some of the cool awards that you've been presented with for the achievement that you've had right. in your life. And you know, one in particular, Combs or Coombs Fellowship with the Australian National University in Canberra. Is it Coombs or Combs? H.C. Coombs. Coombs, okay, gotcha. Coombs, yeah. yeah. Back in the day, he was a person that you know, really helped the Australian National University, and, and they recognized that by giving an award fellowship. And the university very kindly awarded me with that. And I, I spent a year with Marlena at the Australian National University as part of the music college there, working with students and other people and trying to help people wherever I could. Did you do classes, lectures? Yeah, some lectures, some seminars. I, I try to sort of, because I'm, I'm not an academic, I just tried to sort of stay out of the way of people who are much smarter than me. And especially talk to younger people, I found it wasn't so much that I would have pearls of wisdom to give people. I just wanted to, to find out, as young people, what they were trying to achieve in their life, you know, and how music fitted into it. And it must have been interesting for you to talk to young people who maybe were not familiar with some of the music that you had previously done. Some of the people I was talking to were, were my son's age at that time. I sort of felt a little bit more like a mentor in some ways, um, you know, to help them. And also, as much as a lot of technical things and mathematics and things come into music I also like the idea of that you can do whatever you want you know that mm. there are no rules like I say there's rules but there kind of are no rules you know yeah did you meet some really talented kids there's a music school there absolutely right? yeah. yeah you know but I think some people you know musicians they feel much more comfortable playing everything and not you know experimenting too much and I, I respect that too you know people can do whatever they want to do yeah. Musically, um, that is. Yeah. Rotten heart, cross stony ground, with a price upon your head. The sheriff got your name upon his wall. You better ride on, or you're gonna fall. All of those crazy nights, whiskey wild women starting dive on.
In our country, we have the National Medal of Arts or Presidential Medal of Freedom, and that is an award that's been bestowed upon artists ranging from Aaron Copeland to Stephen Sondheim and um, Stevie Wonder, Bruce Springsteen, and you were awarded the Order of Australia AM for your contributions to music as an ambassador for the Nordoff Robbins Charity Institute. Congratulations to you. You know, the Nordoff Robbins Institute is for various stages of autism and, and for people who, you know, affected by that and their families and people who are trying to support them and help them through all that. I think what you're also talking about, awards and accolades and all that stuff, I've got a few thoughts philosophically on all that. Awards are wonderful things, you know, but they're only as good as the life you've got to hang them on, you know. Mm. It's no use having an award if you don't have a family and friends, you know, and a home or anything else, you know. But I'm very grateful for the... Especially when you talk about an order of Australia, that kind of came out of nowhere. I didn't see that one coming. Most of all, I felt really overwhelmed emotionally because, hey, I'm an Australian, but also I felt overwhelmed emotionally because when you sit in a room and when the officials are handing out your order of Australia, you listen to how other people have been given an accolade like that. And I became quite emotional listening to other people's stories, not about me, but about, say, people in the military, because there's various levels of those orders, including military, and I listened to the stories of how military people, what they had to go through to, to get mm. some of those orders, and I became quite emotional. A man who just almost lost his life trying to save someone out in the ocean from drowning, you know, listening to these sorts of things. And then you go, gee, why are they giving one to me, you know? And you listen to all these stories of other people. It's not just about me, it's about the whole thing, you know. Sitting in the corner of my life So hard to see you face the darkness Staying strong, heaven knows I try Watching you hurting was the hardest thing to do And I prayed so hard for you That someday we'd be here Standing on a hill and looking out You're here beside me The blue eyes I see Never been more beautiful than now sound now your smile is like starlight up here it's like the voice of God sounds like rolling thunder in the valley Stands Mount Capital. Not even that can come between us and my love. How I've seen you rise above like an eagle soaring, standing on a hill and looking out. You're here beside me. Stop.
All the Stars Are Mine is a song that I co-wrote with Susie DiMarchi. And we wrote that song because both of us had had children born in foreign countries from the country we were born in. Having those experiences, it helps you to gain empathy for other people, you know, because you realise that, you know, really, we're all living on one earth, you know. Um, we've only got one earth. That's all we got, you know. Yeah. And we all get along now. When you look back at that experience and you think about your children, do you feel that that was a real gift that you gave them, that experience of growing up in different places and different cultures? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, when you're proud of your country and you have fortunate to have had a, a country that, that you have had a good upbringing and you have good food and hmm. water and, and a roof over your head and people love you and care about you, and then you go somewhere else and they do the same thing, you're a very fortunate person, you know. Some people don't have that experience, you know. So I think that was a lot where we got the idea for that song from.
I want to go to the indigenous people yeah. of Australia. And you are working in particular, I was thinking about your collaborations because you've done a lot of that. There's a person who I was unfamiliar with who you have done some collaborating with. I'm unable to find it in my in my okay. notes. Yerma, Yerma, Marika? Yermo. Say that again. His name is Yermo. Yermo. Yes, Yeah, okay, good. I'll, I'll work and, on that and one. Then, yeah, as part of their culture in Northern Territory, I worked with that family of people about 25 years ago as well, um, an older group of people originally called Yotu Yindi. I worked with them a lot, and they asked me to produce an album for them for the 2000 Olympics and the turn of, of the millennium. They asked me to write with them as well, and I said, look, I'd really rather not write songs with you because this is your culture. I don't really want to do that. And they said, well, that's part of the reason we want you in the room, mate, as they would say. And I said, okay, well, I'll write with you then. You know, for example, one of the songs we were writing together was a song called Surf in the Log. Okay, now we have a lot of surfing in Australia because we have a big coastline. And at first, I've been writing songs for a long time. I'm sitting in this room with these guys from Yachty Indy, and we start writing this song. And one of them starts saying, a fish circles the wood, the eye of the fish, you know, in the, in the log. And I'm going... You know, I've written a lot of lyrics, but I'm not quite sure what we're singing about anymore. They don't realise they're actually singing about a death ceremony. In that part of the Northern Territory, that they, in, in their culture, before we all came along, they would put you up in trees when you passed away and the little green ants would eat all the flesh off your body and they'd take your bones and they'd stuff it inside a log and they'd cap up the ends and they'd throw you in the ocean. That's what it was like working with those people. For me, it was really interesting because I learnt so much from them is what, how much I don't know, you know. Last year, I produced an album for one of that family of people, but a younger generation. His name is Yurumul, and uh, he comes from that family of people. Uh, Yurumul Marika. He asked me to produce the record, and again, you know, this time around, I, I didn't actually co-write anything on that record, and that's okay. And so he gave me, you know, sort of carte blanche or free reign to go find anyone I want. And I like the musicians and I, I get on great with so many people in Australia. I handpicked the people to play on that and he brought a couple of people with him from Arnhem Land, Northern Territory, to play. And they stayed with me and my family on the farm for a month and then we just recorded. But I, a good mate of mine, Laurie Minson, played the pedal steel and we know Loz, as we call him, really well. And he came and he, he's a utility guy which I found out from Sam isn't a plumber uh, or someone who works for the power company. It actually plays a multitude of different instruments. <laughs> and so uh, Loz came along, and he's one of those utility guys. He plays banjo, pedal steel, dobro. He sings, um, plays electric guitar, acoustic uh, yeah. guitars. It's incredible. Plus he writes. You know? So I invited Loz along because he's a utility guy. You know? Yeah. He can fix the power too. Yeah. Oh, nice.
thanks to WEKU, Red Barn Radio's official radio partner, NPR for Central and Eastern Kentucky. Listen online at WEKU.org. Red Barn Radio is presented with the financial support of LexArts, Lexington, Kentucky's premier cultural development, advocacy, and fundraising organization. LexArts, working for the development of a strong and vibrant arts community as a means of enhancing the quality of life in Central Kentucky. And by Visit Lex, Lexington, Kentucky's Convention and Visitors Bureau. Planning to visit Lexington or just looking for more information? Visit Lex is on the web at visitlex.com. Red Barn Radio's executive producer is Ed Commons, who also directs our show. The Red Barn Radio playout theme, Wookie Foot, was taken from a live performance of the Wooks here on Red Barn Radio. More at wookoutamerica.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Kathy Stamps. There are so many people to thank for our program tonight. First, Andrew Ferris and his band, our guests this evening. We are ever grateful for our volunteers and staff who make this production happen each and every week so beautifully. We want to thank all of you for listening to our webcast, watching us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch, and to those of you listening to us on the network of Red Barn stations and media worldwide. Red Barn Radio comes to you from our home, the Arts Place Performance Hall in downtown Lexington, Kentucky. Our website has updates and further information on our guests and our program. We're on the web at redbarnradio.com. Now, before we close out tonight's program, I wonder if we might get Andrew and the band to come back and do one more tune for us. Sure. Okay, great. That's a song called uh, You Are My Rock. It's a single out for me. In A.
Red Barn Radio, Roots Music, Southern Style, the best music from the roots of the South, and sharing this music with the world.